Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Data Show. I am your host, Football Outsiders Assistant Editor Vincent Verhey. Joining me as always, FO Editor-in-Chief Aaron Schatz, FO Contributing Writer Brian Knowles. We are here to talk about the stats and data and facts and figures from a chaotic week in the NFL. And I don't think there's anything more chaotic than, uh, well, we'll talk about some some, some data here about the, the, the chaos in general. 12 of the 15 games decided by one score that's tied for the most in a single week in NFL history. The second day in the history of the league, three game-winning touchdowns on the final play of the game with Chandler Jones in Las Vegas, the, the most chaotic, uh, Rayshon Jenkins for Jacksonville, and Jeremy Kinner for Kansas City. First time in NFL history, three teams have come back from 17-plus point deficits to win in the Jaguars, the Bengals, and, of course, the Minnesota Vikings, which brings us to our lead topic for the day, the biggest comeback in NFL history. They can't keep getting away with this. I think yeah, that, 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 that's incredible. I, I, I have no idea what to even say about the Vikings anymore. They can't keep getting away with this. I think the, the, what we can say about the Vikings is that they are going to be historically notable. You know, there are plenty of average teams uh, every year. The Vikings are one of those average teams. Just with, there are teams that outperform their DBA every year. But now the, now the Vikings not only have one of the craziest wins of all time over the Bills, but now they also are just they're in the record books. They came back from a 33-point deficit, the largest one in NFL history. Teams leading by 30 or more points before before Saturday were 1,548 wins, one loss, and one tie. You're not supposed to come back from that. And we were all making the same jokes after the first half of finally, you know, the Vikings have shown who they are. Hey, it's Jeff Saturday on Saturday. What a, what a brilliant combination we have going on. And then the second half happened, and it was just a bombshell. And the thing is, like, um, given how the Colts have played over the rest of the season, I would have bought the idea of the Vikings coming back with, like, 21 points. Like, oh, my God, the Vikings made it a game. The fact that they came back all the way, and they came back all the way despite not being perfect. Like, they had drives that ended in failure, and they still came back all the way. Like, it was insanity. You know, yeah, Hitchcock points out in the comments that, you know, oh, yeah, in the second half, we just switched to making jokes about Matt Ryan. You know, oh, 28-3, not anymore. No, we're just, well, we'll remember 28-3 forever. But uh, this is just adds to Matt Ryan's legacy of of blown second half leads. Yeah. Now, he's been the quarterback for two of the eight biggest comebacks in NFL history have gone against him. I feel bad for Matt Ryan. But Ryan brought this on himself a little bit because the Colts lost this game with bad offense. The Vikings did not win this game with good offense. I ran the VOA splits by half. In the first half, the Colts were at 108%. This is without opponent adjustment. And the Vikings minus 122. In the second half, the Vikings were plus 72, and the Colts were minus 77. But if you break down what the Vikings were, they were plus 17 offense and 58 defense, minus 58 defense. In other words, preventing Indianapolis from scoring. So the Indianapolis offense lost this game a lot more than the Indianapolis defense. 
do we think Jonathan Taylor going out on like the first series helped uh, hurt them at all here? Because I think if they had, I know running backs don't matter, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that if they had had him, they might be able to, you know, extend it. Because all they needed to do was extend a couple more of those drives. Because again, the Vikings had to come back for 33 points. Maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, again, running backs don't matter that much. And Zach Boss and, you know, I think it's the state of their offensive line in general. They have a rookie left tackle and other players have not played as well as they had in past years. I mean, it's not like Taylor has good numbers this year. Taylor's like near the bottom of the league in most stats this year. Well, the other part of this, as we were just talking about before coming on the air, uh, the offense and defense were a big part of it. Special teams also a big part of Minnesota's deficit, actually, uh, in the first half. Uh, Indianapolis special teams VOA is 8%. Minnesota's minus 20%. And I believe that also does not include the failed fake punt. It does not include the failed fake punt. The failed fake punt counts as an offense defense play. It's one of those like sort of uh, eventually I'd like to change DVOA to include fakes as uh, as special teams plays. Mm -hmm. But for now it doesn't. But it includes the block punt for a touchdown. And it also includes some very good uh returns by dallas what's his name dallas uh flowers for the colts and one very bad first half punt return by jalen rager that went zero yards so the other crazy thing here before we move on i think is just that i was writing about kirk cousins game for uh for, for quick read which is up now at the baliasiders.com and the first and second half splits of quarterbacks in these mega comebacks of, of, of 22 plus points at halftime. And as I'm writing it, it suddenly occurs to me, you know, if they were, they were down 33, nothing at halftime, if they had just thrown in the towel and benched Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, no one would have blamed them. There would have been no controversy. They would have said, this game is done. We're going to wave that white flag and getting ready for the playoffs. But no, they kept them in there and they got this crazy ass comeback. And, and here we are. Cousins threw for, I think he had like 40 passing yards in the first half and then 417 in the second half. That's one of the crazy, I, I wanted to see if that was a historic split and it, it isn't. That's usually because you put up huge numbers in the first half and then you sit on the bench for the fourth quarter. This is not supposed to go this direction. Right. Yeah. I, the Vikings, I don't know what to say about them anymore. They are the first 11 and three team to have a negative DVOA, but it's not like they're at minus one. They're at like <laughs> minus 11. Yes. They're 25th. It's not like the Vikings are 18th. They're 25th now in DVOA, despite being 11 and 3. And look, I mean, people have said to me, you know, your stats are wrong because how can you think the Vikings are the 25th? I don't, I know other advanced metrics seem to have them higher, more like 18th or 19th. And I, you know, if you ask me how good the Vikings are, yeah, they're probably closer to 18th or 19th than 25th. But it, What's important is that they're not an, like what an 11 and three team. There's never been yeah. a team. They are possibly going to be the greatest Pythagorean projection over performers of all time. Yep. There's, we'll see what happens in the last three games, but there's just never, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not like, they're winning but by the skin of their teeth week after week after week after week after week. I think if you flipped all the one-score games in the league, they'd be dead last in the NFC at the moment because they've only got and they're one. Not, it's not like their one-score wins are mostly, we were up by 11, and then the other team scored a late field oh. goal, and that made it eight. Yeah. There are things like Josh Allen fumbled on the one-yard line with a lead. 
Yeah, their season is made of pixie dust and magic, and I suppose we'll see if that that can can lead them anywhere. It led them to the division title. They are they are your NFC North champions. They will get a home game, probably yeah, against you know the Seahawks or Lions. And and uh, I don't ever remember a team like this that won the Super Bowl, but I oh. do remember teams that were not to quite this extent that came very close to winning a Super Bowl. Like the 2003 Panthers are comparable, I think. Not, I mean, the Vikings are like on another planet, but the 2003 Panthers were sort of similar to this, and the 2008 Cardinals only went nine and seven, but they're sort of similar to this too. And the 2008 Cardinals came two minutes or less from winning a Super Bowl. It is not out of the realm of possibility that the Vikings could win a Super Bowl. Will they? Probably not. I mean, it is very unlikely that the Vikings could be. You know, uh, they all. Uh, it's it's not that unlikely that they could beat the Giants or Commanders yeah. or Lions, but it's very unlikely that they would be uh, like the Cowboys and then the Eagles or the 49ers and then the Eagles and then the Chiefs or Bills. Like yeah. that is this team would have a very hard time running that. So, but it's not impossible. Yeah, there's a chance they'll be underdogs in the first round of the playoffs, especially if the, if, if it ends up being the Lions or someone who gets there. Maybe, yeah, maybe not to, right yeah. now, I mean, this week they're playing the Giants and they are three-point favorites. So they would be favorites to the Giants or the Commanders. But if it's the Lions that they play in the first round, they will be underdogs. There's a chance at the very least, which is very weird because they still might get that second seed. They might be the, technically the second best team in the NFC. All they no, although, I winning. mean, the 49ers, we should mention, are the hottest team in the league. Number one in weighted DVOA, something like seven straight games of 50% or higher. Like the wow. 49ers are playing extremely good football. It's hard to see them blow in the second seed. Well, they currently don't have it. That's the thing. They they have the oh. tiebreaker over the Vikings, but they are a game behind. So as long as the Vikings keep doing this, the Niners can't oh, actually I guess catch that's them. That's true. <laughs> so uh, eventually, the Magic's going to really, you know, I'm I'm a 49ers fan, so I was watching that first half like, oh great, cool, the Niners are going to move in the second seed, excellent. All right, good times. Now all I need is Matt Ryan to play a normal second half of football. Dang. Okay. Now that was the uh, statistically craziest game of the day, but from a artistic. Uh, maybe an, a, an aesthetic viewpoint, not the most craziest, at least not the craziest finish of the day, because that goes to whatever the hell happened at the end of the game in Las Vegas between the Raiders and Patriots. I'm still trying to process this. It's been 48 hours now. Uh, Chandler Jones wins the game on a walk-off fumble return touchdown as New England was trying a bunch of laterals that they didn't have to try because the score was still tied. I'm curious what you guys think. I know how I feel because I'm a Patriots fan. Do you think this weekend was harder on Patriots fans or Colts fans? Oh, Patriots fans for sure. Yeah. Patriots fans oh, had hope. Yeah. Or, yeah or at least hope. some hope. And I, I think this this game is what 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 knocked knocked it out of him. It, yeah, it, I feel like the Colt for Colts fans, the season was basically over. So as much as a punch in the gut as that was, the Patriots' playoff chances with a win would have been like 65% or something. Like, they yeah. got destroyed by this loss. Yeah, with a win, all they had to do was win – all they really had to do was win one of their last three games to make it because they had got the tiebreakers on the rest of the, you know, of the field. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough end-of-road schedule, but beating one of the Bengals, Dolphins, and, and Bills – the other problem is the Colts played bad. Oh, yeah. The Patriots were just idiots. 
<laughs> well, and, and there's a lot to say about this. They never should have been in this position in the first place. They're playing the what had been the worst pass defense in the league. Uh, the Patriots played so badly on offense that the Jaguars, in other words, passed even in the league, uh, not the Raiders. So um, they, they, they spent the whole day dumping off and checking down and screens to nowhere. They were only in this game because Derek Carr threw a pick six. So it, it, it never should have been this close. And then that happened. Uh, Brian, you've got a list here of the – is the third ever walk-off fumble return touchdown in NFL history. The last was in 1978, the Holy Roller. Also the Raiders winning, although it was an offensive fumble return. A, a play so dramatic, they changed the rules. Yeah, there's and no the, rule you could change, change to, to stop this one from happening. This was just one of the all-time brain fart moments in sports. It's right up there of Jared Smith, like, you know, uh, forgetting to, to shoot at the end of that NBA finals game uh, when, in 2018 or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, this is Merkel's boner. This is, it is. It's absolutely. This is everyone ending up on second base together. This All is, right. you know, everyone was, it, it's, it's easy to go to the hyperbole immediately after a play like this happens, like dumbest play ever, you know, worst play ever, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've spent the last 48 hours just, combing my you know my, my, my mind looking back at all, all the old blooper tapes i used to buy as a kid trying to figure out like what on earth could possibly possibly compare this to uh you know the jim marshall wrong way run for the vikings back in the day that that is an all-timer but the vikings ended up like doing well that, that, that wasn't a game losing play uh you know it's getting compared to the that cult fake, fake punch from 2015 where everyone shifted over Hitchhiker's Pie in the, in the comments points out the Miracle on the Meadowlands, which is probably the biggest uh, play in terms of win probability lost in NFL history when they when the uh, when the Jets could have, when they could have just kneeled on the ball and said they ran a play and fumbled and the Eagles turned you know, for a touchdown. This play is going to live forever, isn't it? The, 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 this oh, yeah. play is going to get replayed over and over. This is the dumbest play of all time. This yeah. is the dumbest play of all time. First of all, yeah. what were the Patriots even trying to accomplish by running a play? Right? Like Maybe break it. Make just kneel on the ball and go to overtime. The, the, the likelihood that you're going to break a whatever 60-yard run is impossible. Second of all, the players, I mean, if Belichick is such a great coach, he's supposed to be informing the players not to do things like this. There was no reason to do this. By the way, Ramondre Stevenson had a fantastic game, but he deserves some of the blame too. Oh, yeah. Because he never should have fumbled. He should have never lateraled to Myers to begin with. No. Now, I mean, Stevenson's lateral to Myers, at least Myers was right behind him and he knew he could get Myers the ball. But what if Myers doesn't catch it cleanly? It's possible the Raiders pick it up. So I think this is on the coaches for calling a play to begin with. This is yep. on Stevenson for lateraling. This is especially on Myers for lateraling. This is the dumbest play ever because there was no kneel down formation when the miracle in the Meadowlands happened. The kneel down formation was a reaction to the miracle in the Meadowlands. And by the way, the player for what was a Pissaric did not fumble on purpose. That right. was a forced fumble. This was an unforced fumble. This is the dumbest play in NFL history. The and at least, Steve, 
at least Stevenson could say, hey, well, I'm giving the ball to another fast person. And if he misses, everyone's kind of in a big pile right here. Maybe we'll all fall on top of each other. I can, I can at least understand the logic behind there. I don't know what the heck Mac Jones was supposed to do if he got the lateral, yes. even if Chandler Jones hadn't been right there. He's right. not going to run 60 yards and like break 12 tackles. It's, 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 it's crazy. All these, all these other bad plays, as cringeworthy as they are, I can at least envision what the player involved was trying to do, what he thought might happen. There is no upside to throwing the ball. I think 20 yards is the, the net value here. 20 yards backwards to uh, Mac Jones in the middle of the field, on his own side of the field. <laughs> in a tie game. Yeah, it, in a tie game. Yeah. 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 The, the, the only one I could think of that, that, that came with the same level of just a horrible de- decision by a player in the moment was the Leon Lett missed field goal game when when the Dolphins kicked a field goal on Thanksgiving and it was short and let, it got tipped and blocked and Lett went down and touched the ball and gave yep. the Dolphins another shot at the game-winning field goal. Right. And even that is maybe just not fully understanding all the complex rules of, of a situation like that. Yeah, that. This was just, this is an all-timer and everyone should be embarrassed. Everyone who is remotely involved with this should be embarrassed. Leon Lett was just ignorant of the rules. I'm sure he thought it was a live ball and had to recover it. He was wrong and that's why it's dumb. <laughs> but the, 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 the he, he didn't. I don't know. <laughs> Myers said after the game. Myers, look to give him credit, he took full responsibility. Yes, he said he knew he was not supposed to lateral the ball, and he was just trying to make a hero play, which is just phenomenally stupid. Yeah. But, which is and, and things like this do go on the coaches. You have your job as a coach is to make sure your players are aware of the situation and what's going on. And so it's on, it, it is on the coaching staff, maybe not all of them, but somebody should have made it very clear to these guys, we're just going to go to the extra frame. By and the way, why, I, by the way uh, Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick was asked why they handed off instead of trying a Hail Mary, and he's bluntly replied, to Mac, replied that Mac Jones can't throw that far. Well, it's just a Hail Mary, just bring in Bailey Zappi or whoever. And Bailey it, Zappi can't throw that far either. Nobody can. Well, okay, okay, that's not it then. I, it, it, I, I, I'm also going to say, by the way, call me a homer. That play never should have happened because Keelan Cole was out of bounds. Also true. Yep. I, I, I can I, see where you, not, but, you know, officials make tiny mistakes, make tiny mistakes all the time. And, and a tiny mistake by the official is not, I mean, you know, a six inch mistake off the sideline is not a reason for you to do the dumbest thing ever. Man, okay. just the fact that that we didn't lead with that somehow is 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 incredible. But but that's just what kind of week it was. There was nonsense everywhere. Well, a little bit of nonsense, and a relatively little uh, nonsense compared to what we have talked about. But the, the Detroit Lions were suddenly on fire, starting the year one and six, trying to become the first one and six team to come back and make the playoffs since the nineteen seventy Cincinnati Bengals. I'm sure we all remember that team fondly. Um, <laughs> Brian, talk about the Lions a little bit and uh, and, and how they're doing in DVOA. All right, the Lions are now sixth in DVOA uh, on the in, year. In offense. Sixth in offense. Yeah, yes, actually, sixth in offense. Their defense, which for much of the middle of the year was absolutely putrid, is now 22nd uh, in the league and 10th since week nine. They have gotten, they have become a competent team on defense, which when you compile it with their, their you know, their, their uh, you know, high scoring tendencies on offense makes them a serious threat. Their defense is now forced to turnover in the last 13 straight games, which is the longest active streak in the NFL. This is, I mean, obviously the Eagles are number one, uh, but 
of all the other teams in the NFC, this is the team I least want my team to play because the Lions are on fire right now. Jared Goff is now second in the league in passing DYAR, total passing value. Now, people responded to me when I said this on Twitter with, that shows how stupid your stat is. Okay, well, okay, small asterisk, which is, I've, I've mentioned this before, I do not have the indoors-outdoors adjustments that are in team DVOA. They're not in the individual DVOA yet. So golf would be a little bit lower if you adjusted for indoors. But, but it's not that that stat is wrong. It's that golf is, the Detroit offense is really good this year. And that may not be a statement about golf as much as it is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, and the offensive line and the receivers that they have. But Goff, if you put him in the right situation, people will remember 2018. Like, Goff has had really good numbers before if you put him in the right situation. He was a Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah, this is not like, oh, well, if you think Goff's been good, clearly you're wrong. I mean, Goff's been really good. And no, Goff would not be the worst quarterback to finish a season second because Case Keenum was first one year. Yeah. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Pie says, if Jer- is, would Jared Goff be the worst quarterback to finish a, se- a season second in DYAR? And I mean, I don't know. I guess part, part, part that depends. Do you mean second or first? Because Case Keenum was first one year. Eric Kramer was first one year. There have been all kinds of guys who've had one really good year. And Goff was, I don't remember what he was back in 2018, but it was pretty high. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do definitely think Goff is being helped by the system to a certain extent because, uh, you know, he, he he's getting great blocking. He's got great talent around him. But there are other guys with great talent around him, great blocking, who aren't putting up thousands of, of DYAR. He's he's having a, a rejuvenated season. I think is a fair thing to say. Who knows if that'll continue? And I think I'd, if I was Lions, I still might look into getting a developmental quarterback behind him. But Goff has looked fantastic, and the Lions are looking fantastic. This is going to be the first time they haven't finished last in the NFC North since 2017. This is a remarkable turnaround for a team that was, we, we left dead in the water. You know, we, yeah. I remember the first couple of weeks of the show, we were like, oh, look at all these positive Lions stats. Look how good they are. Look what a good story is. Oh, here's the defense that it, killed them. All right, I guess we can stop paying attention to the Lions now. Here they are. And they've, uh, they're not just beating scrubs. Yeah. They have beaten the Vikings. They've beaten the Commanders. They've beaten the Giants. Uh, first time since 2000. They have uh, uh, beaten more than two teams with winning records. And uh, another note on Goff, I'm, I'm looking at just raw passing stats to see what he's doing well compared to everyone else. And the, the one he's doing best is, is, is sack rate. Uh, sack rate of 3.8%, second best in the league behind Tom Brady. That is a big part of DVOA uh, and, and explains what you know why he's uh, higher in our stats than you might see elsewhere. Uh, he's getting a ton of help from his offensive line. He never goes backwards. And uh, keeps him in position to, to uh, you know move the chains and, and pick up first downs. Yeah, this is the um, first time if they finish in the top ten, this will be their first time in the top ten since they were tenth in 2011, and they're currently ninth, which would be their highest position in DVOA since 20 uh, since 1997, when they were seventh. Wow. And the Lions' history is an interesting one because their best seasons by win loss are not their best seasons by DVOA. Their best season by DVOA is 1981 when they were eight and eight, and their 10 and six and nine and seven seasons tend to be better than like the year they went 12 and four in 1991, but like got killed by Washington. Yeah. 
Yeah. Honestly, the biggest problem for the Lions right now is that week four lost to Seattle. That is the one big uh, red flag they have now with their chance of getting the playoffs because they have to act right now that they're tired of the Seahawks. So they have to do better than Seattle over the last three weeks if they're going to get into the playoffs. Because it looks like the like the Giants are going to get a slot. It looks like the Cavs are going to slot. There's one wild card slot really available, and they ha- and they lost the head to head head match. So as long as the Seahawks can win, if the C- if the Seahawks because the Seahawks end with the Jets and the Rams, and you should expect Seattle to be able to win those games, which means Detroit would have to run the table. Daniel? I I do I do I, you know I I understand why I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, but the, the, I, Seahawks yeah, the Jets love it on yeah. fire. The Jets are good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but the, 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 they may still have be starting Zach Wilson, and I, I, I still trust the Seahawks to be able to win that football game. And the Rams the, are not good. So the Rams are not good. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if they beat the Chiefs this week. I, I, I will say that. Although, yeah. you know, the Chiefs uh, have shown an ability to play down to any opponents that they they may encounter. Also true. Also true. You know? uh, Sleepy Time Junction asks how long Goff's contract goes in Detroit, and I do not know the answer to that question. I believe there's two more years on it, but I will triple check that here. Real yeah, they quick. signed him to a big deal in LA before they traded him. Exactly. Um, which you know was one of the reasons one of the reasons the Rams are in such a mess right now. Um, but. Yeah, that, that, I don't have the stat that the thing, but uh, the the Rams were officially eliminated last night. That ties the uh, post Elway Broncos for the earliest elimination for a Super Bowl yeah. champion in history. Uh, Goff is signed to the team through 2024, so they got two more years after this if they if they wanted to keep him around. Yeah. Well, the Lions are on fire. Another team a lot of us have written off for dead that has rebounded somewhat is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they beat an NFC team for the first time in a long time. First time since 2018, a 20-game stretch without any wins over the other conference. That's the longest drought ever, at least since there have been different conferences to, uh, to have droughts against. And the... Uh, I mean, the, the AFC South has gotten some unlucky matchups, but you know they had they they played a terrible Raiders team. I mean, a terrible uh, a Lions team in that stretch. They had they have there were games they could win and just no, just tw- 20, 20 straight losses against the other conference. The Jaguars are breaking all kinds of these crazy records. They had a long losing streak against West Coast teams. They had a long losing streak against the Titans. They're just this year they are breaking all these kinds of like decades long of of futility uh, uh, as they've kind of bounced back into competition. Yeah, they're now 44%. We now give them a 44% chance to win the AFC South. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the Jaguars and Titans are going to be the Sunday night game in week 18. Oh, yeah. Good call. Good call. If I had to pick right now, I would say I'd say the Jaguars catch them. The Jaguars have an easy schedule. They are they look like a better football team right now. I'm they, sure you know, the rest of the AFC is cheering for Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, they'd much rather play Ryan Tannehill than Trevor Lawrence right now. Yeah. Now, the other quarterback in this game has been in kind of a slump as Dak Prescott has suddenly become a turnover machine. Yeah, Prescott uh, now has 11 interceptions on the year because, remember, he missed uh, a chunk of the beginning of the season. Uh, he's dead last in the league with a 3.9% interception percentage. He's got nine interceptions since week 10, and no one else in the league has more than five. All of a sudden, Prescott can't stop giving the other team the ball. And the defense has, has slack, too. The Cowboys, who for a while there, I thought were like, they had a real shot at winning the division. They had a shot at the bye mm-hmm. week. They have dropped, they have fallen off dramatically over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I know we make all the jokes about the same old Cowboys because it's what they've done every year since like 1996. But this this is now this is out of meme territory and into actually like a serious concern if you're a Cowboys fan. They right? have dropped from 30% to 21% in DVOA in two weeks. 
That's like this game was not as close as the final score by DVOA. Like Dallas, like Jacksonville has the much higher rating for this game than Dallas does. And Dallas has really dropped over the last couple of weeks. Now they're probably going to play Tampa Bay in the first round. Which, yes, that, you know, I don't well, know if trust Dallas to win despite the problems that Tampa Bay is having right now. No, but, but that is a great segue because the uh, next topic here is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are playing very un-Tom Brady football. Uh, Career-high four turnovers against the Bengals. Um, The second time he's had four turnovers on four consecutive drives, and the first since 2001, when he spent most of the year being thought of as the guy who's just taking the field until Drew Bledsoe could come back. Yeah. It's the first time Brady has ever lost uh, at home when he had a 17-point lead. Uh, he was 89-0 and 0 coming into this one. This is just not – this doesn't happen to Tom Brady football teams. It just doesn't. Uh, and now the Buccaneers have to run the table or Brady's going to have his first ever losing record as a starting quarterback. It is – this is not what he signed up for when he decided to come back for another season. No, the, when he unretired, uh, the, the Buccaneers were – Conference favorites, or at least right, right up there near the, near the top of the list, and this has been the NFC South. It's a joke. They, they, you know, <laughs> they. This is it's it's embarrassing all the way around. The fact that the Panthers, who fire their head coach, have a real shot at winning this division is is nonsense. The fact that the Saints and Falcons are still alive is crazy. It is yeah, still the, possible the, for all four teams to tie at six and eleven. That is still on the table. In which case, the, the Panthers, Panthers, would be the Panthers have the tiebreaker if that happens. Yes. Yeah. And, and of course, there's nothing in, the, in the, this year I'm rooting for more than a four-way tie at 6-11 and 11 because that is the ultimate chaos thing. The, the, the NFC champion, a double-digit lost NFC South champion hosting the NFC East runner-up uh, just shows everything that's oh so great about the current playoff format. I believe there has never been a 10-loss team in the playoffs. That's no, there have been a handful of 7-9 and nine teams. Uh, and I think they both won their playoff games. But, they did, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. One, one was the uh, one was the Beast Quake uh, yeah. Seahawks, and yep. the other was uh, did the Washington Football Team win that win their first game twenty twenty? I think they did. I think it was a Panthers team. There was a, like a Panthers team that uh, they hosted a Cardinals team when when Carson Palmer was hurt. I want to say that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Off the top of my head, I may be screwing up some details, but that sounds right. Yeah, I think Washington lost. Washington was seven and nine and played Tampa, and Tampa won. Yeah, that yeah, was when yeah. Tampa won the Super Bowl. Yes, there was also the seven, eight, the seven, eight, and one Panthers. Yes. Yeah. Okay, seven, eight, one. Yeah. It's. Um, and by the way, Hitchhiker's Pie is right when he notes that Brady is still a top quarterback by a lot of advanced yeah. metrics, and their defense is tenth. But Brady has fallen off some in the last few weeks, and also uh, their running game. Their running game is horrific this year. Disaster. Yeah. And they keep going for it. That's it. It's not only bad, but they they use it a lot too. Like you think that you know yeah. at some point if something's not working, you you do you do something else. But no, they 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 seem to think they 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 still have to establish the run and and win like that. And and no, I mean you 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 brought Brady back for a reason. You go until his arm falls off. At this point, <laughs> we did. yeah. Oh, well. I could, yeah. So uh, I guess none of the teams in the top of the NFC are really playing well right now because the Eagles got a win over a bad Bears team, but they did not necessarily look good in all aspects of the game doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts, to be fair, we now know that Jalen Hurts was hurt for the second half of this game. So uh, we we, we do know that. But he wasn't playing well in the first half either. Uh, He he threw two interceptions in the first half against the Bears. He'd only thrown three all year up up until that point. 
Uh, those two interceptions, by the way, are more than the Bears had in their previous six games combined. So it's not like he was playing a stellar pass defense out there. Uh, you know, Hertz is Hertz has a, in case people haven't heard, Hertz has a separated shoulder. Is in doubt for this for the uh, for a Christmas Eve game against against the Cowboys. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the, uh, this is this is mildly concerning. This is you know hopefully the, the, it's not concerning for anything but the Eagles in the regular season. They need one more game to cleanse the bias. That that's gonna happen. I, I I'm sure Gardner Minshew, if if the worst comes to worst, can get them one more win at some point mm-hmm. the season. But Hertz Hertz is gimpy, and they had to put out all the stops to beat a Chicago Bears team, which isn't going anywhere, which isn't doing anything, which is you know Justin Fields and a bunch of but bunch of like parlor tricks at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields needs 200, a little more than 200 yards to break Lamar Jackson's quarterback rushing record. Bears got nothing else to play for. <laughs> Let's do one quarterback draw for 20 times a game. Uh, get him that record. Jalen Hurts sets more uh, uh, passing rushing uh, uh, combo records. Third player in NFL history with 300 plus passing yards and three plus rushing, tans- rushing touchdowns in the same game, joining Dak Prescott in 2020 and Jack Kemp in 1963. Jack Kemp, yep. famous mobile quarterback. There you go. Yes. Oh, you, you want here's a better one. Uh, Hertz is the fourth player with a dozen rushing touchdowns and a dozen passing touchdowns in the same year. He joins 2011 Cam Newton, mobile quarterback, 1976 Steve Grogan, and, 1940, mobile quarterback. Yeah. Mobile quarterback. and 1947 Speck Sanders, who is oh, also... I have never heard of. Bex Sanders, a uh, halfback quarterback uh, combo, crazy guy. <laughs> Grogan too- was what passed for a mobile quarterback in 1976, sub Bobby Douglas level. Oh, yeah. Speaking, speaking uh, of Bears quarterbacks, they couldn't throw very well. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, we got one more note on versatile players here before we wrap things up. Uh, Taysom Hill scored again this week and now joins very select company. Yeah, Taysom Hill now has, if you could the playoffs, he has a double-digit passing, rushing, and receiving touchdowns for his career. And the the, the last player to do that was Frank Gifford, back for the Giants in the, in, in the 50s. This Taysom Hill is 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 a throwback to an earlier, earlier crazier time. And it's a lot better when they're using him as as a crazy gimmick player than as their starting oh, quarterback. I have he totally been amazing in 1947. Yeah, he, I mean, yes, he, he would have been a multi-time MVP, multi-time, multi-time champion. Yes, I, I've totally turned the corner on Taysom Hill now. He's, he's one of my favorite players to watch now that he's a gadget player. He's not, they're not pretending he's a full-time starting quarterback. But uh, that is going to do it, I believe, for this week. Before we go, I want to say uh, a big thank you to our friends at Underdog Fantasy because you, the football outsiders, reader, slash listener, slash watcher, you – can play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Are your season-long fantasy teams floundering? Well, you can play Underdog's Battle Royale, a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place or try their pick'em games where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their predicted stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Before uh, before we go, let me just respond to a couple of these comments. Useful title says sprained shoulder, not separated. Yes, that is correct for uh, Jalen Hurts. 
And Hitchhiker's Pie asks, who would America love more in the 50s, Tebow or Taysom Hill? Uh, I would love to have seen what it would have looked like if they had tried to turn Tebow into what they've done with Taysom Hill. Absolutely. As, as a goal line threat, uh, you know, multi-purpose threat, Tebow could have been something. He probably would have been a pretty good fullback if he had just been a fullback. If he had just, no, but like this kind of tight end slash gadget quarterback thing, like I think Tebow would have been, I think I he would have been Taysom Hill. I think he would have been useful. Uh, he would have been useful. I, I don't think he has the arm Taysom Hill does or had the arm Taysom Hill does, but uh, there's definitely some, some similarities there. Uh, well, thank you all for, for joining. I want to remind you all to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. You can get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats and articles, and an ad-free experience, which is a big deal. Last but not least, you can join us Saturday this week in the Football Outsiders Discord, and I suppose Sunday as well, uh, for in-game conversation, every game going on. Join the fun, the Football Outsiders Discord channel. And that is going to do it for this week. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Brian. That was fun. We'll see you again in seven days.